0: You are now tuned into, I Shave my ass for this, a podcast about all things dating and desire from the perspective of those on the margins. Here's your host, Natalia Lee Brown.
1: Hey, what's up? What's up? Welcome back. Another show, another week. Happy to have you. This week's episode is actually one that I'm really excited about. It's a topic that is super timely in my life, and I had the pleasure of speaking to one of my really good friends who I witnessed go through a transformation around who they date and why they're seeking out a particular kind of person. And that process in her life is almost parallel to my own because there's just this thing that happens as you move through adulthood and you move through your dating life. You experience, perhaps, a number of people, and through that experience, your desires just become more refined. Like I mentioned in this interview, growing up, I was just given a wide breath of who I could date. There was never any like cultural or racial undertones as to who I was and wasn't allowed to be with or bring into the house. And... That made for a really exciting dating life. I had the option and the opportunity just to pretty much date whoever I was interested in and who was interested in me, of course. But like our guests, the practice of intentionality with dating just kind of makes things easier as you go along, you know, extra, extra, read all about it. I am now back on the dating market officially after about a year (laughs) of taking some time off. And during this iteration of seeking partnership and intimacy and romance, I really tried to go about my search in an intentional way, focusing on the people who in my history were more likely to yield a more successful relationship. And after two weeks of being back on the apps and seeing a handful of people, I kind of feel like I let myself down and not like in some horrible way. You know, I really did (laughs) try to look for people within a certain age range, people with a certain life experience, but the feeling of just instant chemistry doesn't really know any bounds. And so I'm kind of stuck at this point where it's like, does chemistry trump intentionality or Am I just setting myself up for some of the old pains and inconveniences of the past? A past that I thought that I had left in the past. I really don't know. Listening back into this interview, it gives me some clarity and things still stand. I do still have intentionality behind dating. I'm just having a little fun. But to get to how I even got to that intentionality, Let's get into some story time. So, like I said, when I was younger, I grew up in a household where my stepfather was of a different race, where my parents had friends of all different races and orientations. So, being with somebody who isn't like yourself really wasn't anything new to me. And in dating, going to like primary white institutions, I didn't have many Black people to choose from. So my early partners were non Black. I didn't really think anything of it. You know, there were certain things that had happened that I look back on and I'm like, hmm, that was racially charged. But in the moment, I had partners that were absolutely lovely and I had partners that were absolutely horrible. It didn't fall along any racial or spiritual, religious lines. It wasn't until I got to college and I started to be around more Black people and as a result, just date more Black people. And I realized just how easy it was. You know, there wasn't a sense of tension around identity. There wasn't the unspoken prejudices of their families. I remember this one time I was dating somebody very casually, like extremely casually. I just thought of this story the other day. He wasn't even in the running to be anything serious. It was very much like you up kind of situation. (laughs) And at that point in my life, I was totally fine with that. One day he invited me to dinner and it was kind of different, but I was excited. A girl likes to eat. So I go to dinner with him and he is looking somber. He is just looking like he lost his job. And I'm like, oh hell, what's up? And he proceeds to tell me that he can't see me anymore. And I was like, okay, you didn't have to do all this just to say that. And he looks down at his plate of food and he goes, you know, I could never introduce you to my mom. And it hit me at that moment that While I was having like a footloose and fancy free experience with this person, they were categorizing me. I was a certain type of girl to them. I started off the story by categorizing this person. So he was a certain type of guy to me. But it wasn't because of external factors. It wasn't because of cultural practices. This dude was just kind of not that serious in my eyes. But to him, I could never be anything other than what we had going on because of his own background and the prejudices of his own family. I was like, (laughs) okay, you know? And I was too stunned to even retort with like, we weren't even dating, bro, relax. I didn't say any of that. I finished my food, we hugged, and I went and I met my friend at a bar. Having that experience up against dating other Black people, because it was kind of right at that time where I had primarily Black partners. I just kind of thought like, I don't ever want to go through that again. I don't ever want to go through having to prep my partners before I meet their parents, asking them like, oh, well, do they know that I'm Black? Having just like some slight offhanded comments that reveals a partner's prejudice or their ignorance. And you're just left to digest it. You're just left to like contextualize it. I'm tired of explaining racism to my non-black partners, primarily white partners. I'm tired of it. There's Google. So it, it's for that reason that at this point in my life, I am more intentional because I see that as a path forward to having a more harmonious partnership but I'm also a human <laughs> and I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, the reason why I started this whole show is because dating is a nightmare. I love talking about it, but I hate doing it. And at the end of the day, to repeat a cliche, love is love. And I really believe that if love finds you in this life, you owe it to yourself to experience that. It doesn't find everybody. So I said all that to say, if you see me out in these streets with a white partner, mind your business. Now, for our guest today, we have the amazing Brittany Berg, FKA BB Huxley, and she breaks down her dating priorities and how she got to that place in her life. So, enjoy. So, I'm back with another guest, a very special guest this week, the original homegirl. I'm here with Brittany Berg. Hey, Brittany. What's going on?
0: Hi, babe. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so happy to be with you right now. Awesome. So
1: I like to start off the show by asking our guests how they identify and who they usually date. So could you let us know?
0: Amazing. Hi, I'm Brittany Berg. Some people on the internet might know me as... B.B. Huxley. B.B. Huxley. The now completely disappeared <laughs> Electronica Chanteuse from 2017. Remember that?
1: <laughs> you might know her from.
0: <laughs> that YouTube video? I took it down. But it's still there somewhere. Um, <laughs> yes, I am she, her. And I date. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> straight dudes oh Oh. no
1: that's the thing about being in queer scenes and like dating like mostly men I'm like what a fucking curse
0: (laughs) we know there's another way we know and like
1: biology I'm just like if things if the chemistry and the biology was just a little bit fucking different like to kick off the conversation because I know you have been a an intentional dater you have been on your dating path this is your dating chapter in life so i know that you must have come across some weird shit. like can you give us a little dating story
0: <laughs> so i started my intentional i've been single for five years this story comes in you know i'm i had a couple years of celibacy and sobriety and then i'm like i'm getting back on the apps okay I think I want a real relationship. I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna go for this. Older, nicer guy, older, nice guys. Okay, great. So I get on the phone with this guy off of Hinge and really nice voice, Jewish guy, business owner. I'm like, okay, this isn't, an, and he was lovely on the phone. Oh my God, Ugh. he invites me to his home, but it's in Manhattan Beach. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Like I live right on the beach next to the guy who did Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, ooh, okay. This is very grown up. Very wonderful. Oh, my God. I show up. He does not look like he looks on the pictures. Oh, no. How so? And I want to be sensitive. You know, I want to be sensitive around my fat phobia, you know, stuff that comes up with that. He was a large man Mm -hmm. and um, a bit shorter than me. But, with such a sweet face and such a kind energy, and I was like, "This is a Jew. I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, hell, yeah, see what what's going? cause we had really cute chemistry. so we we go on this date. He takes me to a restaurant, We walk on the beach, and, you know, it's he's very lovely. And we sit down at the table, and he knows I'm a therapist. So I'm a therapist. <laughs> um. <laughs> Once a, a musician, underground champion to now, you know, I'm like an associate marriage family therapist. Yes, and I'm working funny. with people on their dating life. So I was in school at that time, but he knows I'm a therapist and a lot of guys when they want to go out with me because of that reason, um, it's not because you know, they just want a session. Okay. <laughs> so this,
1: That's so interesting. This
0: man, yes. Oh, yes. You can tell. They just want to tell you all of their shit right away. So he confessed to me for two hours. He he took such an intense, long session, and God bless him, he had been through a lot. But he told me his entire story of starting a business in tech, where his business partner became his rival. Oh God! And then put a hit on his life, (laughs) and then he worked with Homeland Security to fucking find the assailants who were after him. He had to like do a death shower scene. What's that? And he had to like fake his own death. Oh my
1: God. You know. Where they put ketchup on your head and dirt and they take a Polaroid. Exactly.
0: Like, you know, when he's telling me, I've never told anyone in full detail everything about the story before. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's a lot. That's (laughs) a lot. (laughs) And then he shows me, he opens up his wallet. He's like, I'm the only Man, I'm one of six in California that has a concealed carry license for a gun for self-protection. he shows it to me like for proof. And he's like, that's also why I I gained so much weight because of the terror and stress of going through this experience. Yeah, And I had a lot of love and compassion for the guy, but I definitely felt so drained afterwards. I was like, I just gave him my best trainee therapist work here. I was like, this was not worth a a plate of pasta, (laughs) truthfully. Like (laughs) yo, oh my God. Uh, Um I think women are doing that naturally anyway on these dates. Yeah. I
1: feel like I've talked a lot about like emotional labor that women do and are expected to do, right? Because men from what I've witnessed, I'm not a man, but I have eyes. Men don't have a space to be vulnerable amongst themselves. And that seems like women's work. And so whenever men get around women, they they like regress back to like childhood and they want to be like held. And like that phobia aside, there is a thing of false advertisement. You know, like you have to be transparent as to who you are and to what state you're in. I see that a lot on apps with people showing younger pictures. And if you have like an eagle, Mm -hmm. eye, you could see like that was taken like 10 years ago. I know that technology. (laughs) Totally. And it's just kind of fucked up. Like, just show who you are. So I could make a
0: uh, an informed
1: decision. But how did you get out of that that date?
0: You just left and you had I this was you know, I hadn't built up my skills enough yet. You know, you have to learn how to get in and get out and know your attention and your limits and what, you know, you're actually available for and know what's a safe setup, what's not, you know. Then I traipsed back to his house right on the beach and hung out and I kept listening to the guy, you know, and he's then going on about how he fucks his next door neighbor, you know, like, he's like, I'm real good. He's like wanting to eat me out right there, you know, like, I'm like, wow, kind offer, I gotta get out of here. I have definitely learned never to go in a man's house unless you are ready to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gotten into situations, you know, so many, like a second date. Oh, what do you do for a second date? Right. Well, maybe then you do go inside. Oh, but I don't drink. So there's nothing to do. Right. And then, like, I've had a guy like just keep making me snacks. I'm like, you already took me out to dinner. And then like, you're sitting on the couch and then you start making out. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not. I don't want to be the girl who has sex on the second date. I, I, I don't know, and I'm like wriggling around on him, like, no, don't do that. Don't oh, <laughs> do that. Don't, don't, I, okay, I gotta go. And it was just like, why set myself up for that? You right. just don't go inside. Right. 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 Totally. Like my greatest fear, Natalia, is that I'm gonna be one of these girls that have gone on a hundred dates. Like I've seen on TikTok, like some of these girls are like, I'm on date seventy-eight, and I'm like. Am I gonna, have? is this what's coming? I think it is, it could be. I'm that picky and I I, I wanna be that picky. I think
1: that you are in a perfect time and this actually brings us to our next point because I think that you're in a perfect time in a perfect location. You know your demographic, you know who you are targeting, you know who you wanna date. And you're also at a point in your life where other people who want the same things are vocal about it too. You know, Mm. like I feel as though in your dating journey, there've been like pauses. And so you have to start again or, you know, what have you, but I see it coming for you. I see it coming for you relatively soon. And the thing is, because you are so clear on a partner that you want to have a family with and build a life with and the kind of lifestyle that you want to live when you meet them you'll know you know like I as though a lot of these people that go on all these dates they're a bit younger it's also this thing of like Well, he was cute, but like, maybe I can find cuter. They're still in that kind of frame of mind and like just on the different apps. And then I was out at a bar and a club and I met so-and-so like it's a different energy. You have a more direct and like pointed energy. And I do (laughs) bring me (laughs) to my next point because, you know, uh, you've been a homegirl for a while. I've seen you in different phases of dating and relationship And this latest phase, it seems as though you are very um, decisive, right? You took some time, now you have some letters at the end of your name, you know you want a family, you know that you want to live a certain lifestyle. You also know you want somebody who's also of the same culture as you. And I don't think that that was your approach in the past. So Mm. if you can give me a little bit of insight as to like, what your dating approach is now and how that differs from younger Brittany.
0: Oh my God. I adore you. What a question. (laughs) Well, I made a list. Okay. The fucking list. What must have in a guy. Nice to have in a guy. Deal breakers for a guy. I don't think younger Brittany had my finger on the pulse on those things before. And my big partnership was, it felt larger than me. It felt more just driven by all those love chemicals, you know. But we we had a great relationship, eight years, all on, like, love and attraction, you know. We were 20, early 20s. You're not thinking about long-term compatibility or... 100%. Nor was I someone who was living in integrity all the time or like, I'm a wholesome fucking bitch now. I've been sober for five years. So I had the list. Then you're like filtering all these new people through the list. And I'll, t- I'll tell you my top three on must-haves that gets you, that would, would make you eligible for a first date. Okay, Wants kids, Jewish, and doesn't drink or use drugs all the time. Like if you if you have a frequently on the pot or the the alcohol thing it's a right next so if if you have those three things then i'm excited to have a first date those have gotten refined because your list can get really really long okay. and i think that that can be hard because no one's going to meet all of your list so refining it down to the three was good and it has saved me like even last week it saved me from going down the rabbit hole of six months of hot crazy sex with A narcissist alcoholic. Oh, yeah. You know, I want to hear about that off the record. Oh, man. He was freaking hot, Jew. We did hot yoga together, which was stupid, just like eyeballing each other the whole time and went to dinner or lunch date. And we just can't keep our hands off of each other. But he's telling me, like, oh, yeah, I was networking at an event last week and did Coke every night. And I was like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Oh, still do coke, forties. <laughs> <40s>. Oh <laughs> my goodness! How and he had the little, little narcissism thing where he's like, "Oh, you're so beautiful and fascinating." You know, it was the first fucking date, right? Oh, your skin is so soft. Oh my god, you're. I was watching you in yoga. You're so flexible. Oh, no, 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 you know, he's just putting me on the pedestal, and I'm like, oh, all the sparkles, sparks, sparks, sparks. Sparks are just compliments. When the guy compliments you that's what sparks are right. for me at least right. so anyway the list saved me from a bad rabbit hole there but i've been talking with you know some of my friends like who also do the list and clients who do the list the list can also be bullshit too because you can have everything on the fucking paper on the list and when you get down to it i don't want to kiss you i don't want to suck your dick <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the truth. Things like this, um, there is this invisible element that's just chemistry, you know? And there's nothing you could do about it. And that's why it's so exhausting with apps because you could look at somebody and be like, all right, they they look good, you know, they have the things, they tick the boxes. And then you get in front of them and it is just like snooze city or somebody who mm. cannot read cues or somebody who's too intense and has a look of crazy in their eyes. And it's just like, God damn it. you know. <laughs> like,
0: my mentor is telling me, my therapy mentor, that you don't want, I'm so hot for you, I want to give you head in the restaurant. You don't want that because that attraction is probably red flag central. Okay. You can't have, you know, I'm dry as a as a British biscuit that you you Londoners, <laughs> honey. I don't nibble none of those
1: dry those dry ass biscuits. No. But maybe some <laughs> things, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> but she's like, you want something in the middle. You need there needs to be a campfire. There needs to be a campfire. So you're looking for a strong maybe. Okay. And that sounds so fucking boring. I, that sounds so boring.
1: I think especially coming out of youth when like you would meet people and it was this charge situation. You like, I met one of my partners in class and I remember like after us initially kind of making eye contact and having contact in the library, we had a class together and I went to go to the bathroom, and he, a few seconds after me, came, like, ran out of class as well, and he chased me down the hall and, like, scooped me up in his hands, and we, like, had this moment in the hallway. Oh, my God. Right? So there's, like, all of these moments of just, like, intense, like, and he wasn't a narcissist, but, like, when you when you have that youth energy and you're, like, so excited, I myself being like attached emotionally to that so being older when people their chemistry has just changed it's not the best investment to be all you know charged for somebody that you don't really know or they can come off with narcissistic but i miss that i miss that like fuck it oh attitude gosh. i miss it and so it's hard to like differentiate what's healthy and like what's not
0: i had to put a um a rule on that one mm-hmm. for myself, but I got in a bad situation in a casual context. Right. Right. Yeah. Took home a stranger. And, you know, as a, as an adult, like as a sober 30, I was, I was 34. Mm-hmm. I took home an adult and I pulled in a dangerous person right. and I could have gotten really hurt. Right. And luckily I didn't. And I got some excellent, Therapy and right after, you know, this man violated me, but I had to put the kibosh on one nighters. Yeah. Like full stop. Yeah.
1: If you're like me, you're on dating apps. And the thing about dating apps that I never really liked is that when you open the door for somebody, sometimes you're letting in just anybody as someone who enjoys meeting people and who is just naturally a more trustworthy person i know how scary it could be meeting a virtual stranger anybody could portray themselves as anything and most people can say the right words for long enough to get you to trust them Nowadays, a lot of people are really hip to dating app etiquette, especially groups of homegirls and homies, where you screenshot somebody's picture, you send it to a friend, you send them, you know, your location, maybe even ask for a text or a call mid-date just to make sure you're okay. But what happens if you've let your guard down or you forgot or you don't have that friend to contact? What are you supposed to do? So i did a little research and i found just a list of apps that do act as a line of defense if you're out on a date and you feel uncomfortable or you're in a situation that you just can't get out of since dating apps have been around for a little while these apps are more established but i encourage you to give them a try and judge for yourself i personally don't use these apps but i think that having something extra in your arsenal can be really beneficial. The first one is YouSafe US. It triggers fake calls, fake texts, gives you an alert system for you and your friends, maybe find your friends at parties or what have you. The next app is Circle of Six. And I think a lot of these apps were designed for college students, but now they are available to the masses. To help people just to get out of unsafe situations in a discreet way that will trigger the least amount of aggression and that prioritize self-preservation and there's also noon light so i'll have all of these in the link in the bio but you can never be too safe having an extra line of defense especially in this crazy world especially when you're putting yourself in a situation to just meet anybody isn't a bad idea And as these words come out of my mouth, I think I'm going to download one of these apps as well, just so I'm not out here without any sort of lines of defense. So check it out
0: and stay safe out there. But I am also someone who likes putting the kibosh on things. I put the kibosh on drugs and alcohol uh now one night stands i'm trying to put the kibosh on you know any little instinct to go against my integrity i'm really just trying not to do it because it's, it's never worth it yeah that's yeah a hundred percent
1: i was just talking about that yes a hundred percent it it's never worth it and the the reasons that you initially that initially ping for you the initial alarms always come back around like you always figure out why you felt that way and it's usually through some like fucked up shit so 100 percent. i'm curious yes yeah. i am going through this process i've recently re-entered the dating world audience
0: <laughs> we love, we love, we love.
1: <laughs> and unlike my younger self I entered dating when I was younger with this kind of like, if we hit it off, we hit it off. You know, I didn't grow up in a household that really prioritized identity, or I could basically bring anybody home, right? And that's how I kind of entered the world. And so as I have my experience with people of all shades of the rainbows, all different genders, it's really self-refined to who i want to intentionally date now and it is more along cultural lines i would like somebody who's black or with some kind of melanin that's my preference and it's interesting kind of having access to the world having it be refined in this way like nobody told me but i just know for me in my experiences when i date black people and i date people of color it's more seamless. It's easy. I don't have to explain Mm. fucking racism. I don't have to account for their feelings when racism happens. I don't have to call out some sus behavior. It's easy. That part is gone. Have people of all races treated me like crap? Sure. Have people of all races treated me fantastically? 100%. I've noticed that refinement in terms of identity with you as well. And it's interesting to me because as somebody who is white, not being ultra religious, that refinement Mm -hmm. for like a Jewish identity or somebody who also is Jewish has always been interesting to me because it seems like something relatively recent, but it's also something that's very important. So
0: why is that? Well, being a Jew, I've always felt a little, I'm a white Jew, I'm an Ashkenazi Jew, so people and, and growing up around a not a lot of Jews in suburbia, people can tell it's like, you're not quite like us. <laughs> and the way, the way, like that, I experienced anti-Semitism was like, people are just like, I don't like you, but I just don't know why. We can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. Okay. So you feel like an outsider, but nobody knows why. Okay. You know, that was, a driving force for me to be such a creative and to be so bold as a young person and be like, Oh, you think I'm fucking weird. Well, let me put on this fucking crazy ass outfit. I'm going to exaggerate that, you know? And then dating wise, I was always drawn to like these perfect looking white boys that look like Don Draper or something like like chiseled, like American, uh, Eurocentric beauty standards, Gentile. And those boys are kind of avoidant. So, you know, that setup doesn't really go great. It kind of sucks. It really sucks. So I wanted a different dynamic, kind of, you know, akin to what you said, where it's like you get each other. That won't be a battle. You're already going to have to battle sexism in Mm -hmm. a male-female, you know, cisgendered relationship so if you can eliminate one other oppressive force going in there that would be nice and then i just noticed i was like oh jewish guys are so funny they're so smart they're you know like me i like me i like me now i like you too (laughs) (laughs) thank you i love you and i had this instinct starting last year i was like on all these like fucking boring ass first dates i notice even if i don't have a connection romantic connection with the guy i just enjoy sitting and talking to a jewish guy yeah. there's something we'll at least have a whole shit ton of other things to talk about so that started guiding me toward why why aren't i pulling a full charlotte here like looking for harry like look i need my baldy my hairy baldy jew <laughs> you know I think it occurred to me I was sitting at like a Jewish deli a few years ago and like all of the elders in the deli just kept looking at me and smiling. And I was like, everyone likes me in here. A Jewish family would just like me so much. They'd be so like, oh, look at our daughter-in-law. She's fabulous. Yeah. That is not how I felt dating my Gentile ex who I loved so much. And I loved his family but I didn't feel like they scooped me up and were like, yay, we're so proud you're in here. It was like, look at this weirdo with the shaved head. Just having that ease and that connectivity. But what really put it over the the wall for me this year was my dad getting cancer and getting really sick. I mean, he's been sick, but it got really bad. I started going to temple because I needed that comfort and community and seeing the way kids are brought up in Judaism Mm -hmm. and how like the bar mitzvah thing like the mom, the dad they're all like loving this kid and then all these people are like we love this family and like the kid plays John Lennon on the piano and everyone's like (laughs) oh my god
1: (laughs) I went through bar mitzvah once where the kid did um, the choreography from Britney Spears' Baby one more time
0: (laughs) and we all oh my (laughs)
1: god Bar mitzvahs were lit. Oh my god, they were lit. So yeah, I hear you.
0: Yeah, I want a dude to like sit with me at the freaking synagogue while I cry about my dad, and then eventually, you know, fucking have a bar mitzvah for our child. Yeah. Like that's So that sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds nice. In this most recent
1: um, bout of your father's illness, what was it about? having a community of your own that made it easier to cope with that kind of thing and kind of gave you a vision as to, you know, this other reality of what your life could be like.
0: I mean, the comfort's immense because it's like you're walking into a room that treats you like family immediately. And kind of unlike the nightclub scene, like we all experienced family in the underground Mm. and the music scene, but you kind of had to prove something first. Yeah. You had, you had to have some talent, some style, know the right people. Right. But with this, you walk in, everyone's like, oh, bubble (laughs) up, you know, like it feels like family. And like, I did the high hole, all the big holidays this year for the first time. And during one of them, they have people come up to the front, anyone who's caring for someone who's dying, anyone who is dying, come on up. And I got, it just came on up. It's like built into the religion to care for people who are grieving. And right. I was like, damn, some like strange late, stranger lady just held me while I cried, you know, like, oh. so that level of acceptance and family is just priceless. And I'm going to lose him and I'm going to lose a key piece of my family. Who knows when, hopefully a long time from now, but hopefully, I want to have that, that family still you know so and that's what i'm looking for with the, the the man too yeah like i'm not looking for a boyfriend anymore
1: <sighs> yes yes when did you know that you were ready to intentionally date because there's a definite shift right like we are out in the world you're bumping into all these people it could be that person it could be this person who knows what's gonna happen tonight and then you turn a corner where you're just like for me i'm like Fuck this I want somebody who could you know contribute to my lifestyle in a positive way let's just say that
0: Mm. when did
1: that switch happen for you
0: that's such a cool question because I knew I wanted to date someone who was available for a relationship yeah and I was like I think I'm ready for a relationship It took me a long time to get over dating Matt and it took you know yeah we were together eight years We've been broken up now for five, but it wasn't until like three in that I was like, I could even try dating and it would be worth my energy. Like and so much change, like being clean, like being sober and looking for something serious and not playing this whole like, um, I don't like you. You don't like, I don't like you. You don't like me, but we're going to keep hanging out dance. Like I don't, I just, am not going to participate in any of that anymore. Right, right. And if I can give any hope to any of our, like, young adult listeners, things do get better on that front. Like, people, even, like, cisgendered fucking dudes are eventually like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for a relationship. I want marriage. I want kids. They, You know, I'm looking for something serious. They're not, like uh is this a date <laughs> you know are we even on a date right now
1: we were just hanging out you know she's cool I'm we're just cool. hanging out yo miss me with that shit like please Ugh. no plan something home I want a yes. plan okay I don't want this like just come over and chill I'm too fucking old for that shit
0: no the amount of time it takes for me to do this hair this long feminine hair i've grown for this project <laughs> the the fucking toenails the eyebrows the makeup i the- want to talk about that because
1: Ugh. you underwent a personal like aesthetic project you decided <laughs> i oh my goodness yes. you were a transformer you were in school you went to, uh, I don't know if you went to Logan's. I don't know where you went. Yeah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> I don't know where you, you, went. Know you went. You went to know North St. So well. honey. You brought the credit yes. card and you no, traded no, in your sequin <laughs> bodysuit for a nice respectable button down. You went from a bleach buzz cut and you started to grow the tresses. You were talking about balayage and all of this. <laughs> and you really were like, okay, there was like this click. I think it was like the subconscious click, not only to like, you know, it is a relevant thing in terms of your profession to be somebody who's trustworthy and mm-hmm. reputable and knowledgeable. You, That's a certain look for sure. But I also think that you were like, "I'm gonna fem it the fuck up. I want yes. a man. I want a provider.
0: Well, I want a family man. You want a- I want a man who wants to shack up and have babies. I want him to be like a fucking grown up. You know. Yeah. Was that a conscious thing? Hundred percent. Okay. Conscious, intentional. I'm a former drag artist. Last there is well, com- last time I yes. saw you
1: perform, you had top shoes and a, uh, a penis on your head. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a great one. I was like in awe. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I uh, was in such awe.
0: Yeah, so like I've played a, a man, I've played a high femme queen, everything in between. I know the power of yeah, how you present. And the first couple years like of me, Attempting to date, you know, I was like still figuring out who I was as an adult, newly clean, sober. Like, you feel like a newborn baby, you don't know the fuck you are. I'm like, there's another couple of years of absolute awkwardness with the hair. Oh my God. I hadn't had long hair since I was like 22 years old, you know. Jeans. I wear jeans now. Wild. <laughs> you know. Did you even
1: own jeans before? Like, did you?
0: No. <laughs> I think I had a no jeans rule. It's just so weird how, how much that, if you want to get a straight guy, you signal straight. And it really works. But then it's a fucked up setting because I look like this normal cute girl. Right. And I'm looking for a nice family man. But then I also need to bring BB Huxley, my fucking weirdo penis on the head tap dancing girl. She's there on the date too. Right. He just doesn't know it.
1: When do you bring your artist past into your dating life? And
0: if you do, how do they react? I do it later, to be honest. Because if I bring it in too soon, oh, yeah, I was a radical queer artist. Oh, yeah, have you ever been to Burning Man, been to the Orgy Dome? Oh, yeah, I used to fuck all my best friends. Oh, yeah. Like, if I talk, start bringing up the young adult card, I sound like a different person than I am now. Yeah. I love that person. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had the best young adulthood. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm so thankful. And, like, all of that is integrated in my soul. But I am looking to get married and have a baby. <laughs> and it doesn't include a lot of those activities totally. anymore. Yeah. When do you start telling your like, oh, Lord? I mean, the the X Files, the past, the past past selves.
1: You know, I was in a longer term relationship um, earlier this year, and he knew, like, he kind of knew or was familiar with that crowd because I am still in the creative world. So, a lot of those people that I come across, it's not a big jump. People that I meet new or that like the dating that I've done here in the UK, people who don't have any knowledge of my old life. I don't know. I, it's it's always a case by case thing because we lived very indulgent younger lives, right? Very indulgent, the best. very exciting, very off the wall, you know, like what we were out almost every fucking day of the week. I remember you telling me about your schedule going to Aunt Charlie's (laughs) and (laughs) I would get done with my little office job. I would go home, put on a look, go down to Aunt Charlie's, talk to the old queens at the bar, then go to the after party, get an hour of sleep and then be back at my little stupid office job, like coming down from whatever I had taken the night before
0: heaven on earth you
1: know it was a lot and so I had to kind of realize that not everybody had that same kind of thing and I don't want to come across as like overindulgent because I look at it in like so fondly right like I'm like god I survived I met all these queens I used to party with so-and-so but then at what point am I kind of like all right sis like let it go <laughs> you know It's a fine line to walk. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that just yet. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, before I let you go, I like to give my guests the last word, whether it's words of advice or something I really didn't touch on. What would you like to leave our audience with? I am just
0: struck by how... It's good for me. It's been good to nail down what I actually am looking for in a partner and to boldly claim I'm looking for a partnership. I'm looking for marriage. Even that phrase can like roll off my tongue before, whereas before it felt, it felt so embarrassing to say something like that. I want kids. Like I'm so comfortable saying it now. You know, I know what my little traps and triggers are with guys and they have genuinely hurt me. And I genuinely don't want to get hurt again. So like really knowing them and making my best fucking effort to avoid getting clobbered again. Because a lot of that I can see Mm -hmm. and I can protect myself from. So the list is so great. But then it's true. Like we do get to trust our guts. We do get to have intuition. We do get to find flow. Because if it isn't just sort of there, can't force it to be there yes and then i guess i'm gonna leave the message of faith and hope for me for you for anyone listening like as my mom says there's a lid for every pot
1: yes well here's to finding our lids honey here's to finding our
0: oh my god okay that
1: is that and that was it first of all a huge thank you to Brittany Berg for your insightful and well-thought approach to dating. I think that too often, sometimes we may leave things to chance, but we have a lot of self-determination and power to craft the life that we want. And Brittany is really a testament to that. So try out her list method, you know? Think more critically about the types of people that you date and who would be more likely to bring relationship success. I don't think it's a bad idea. And thank you to all of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. I will be back here same time next week, Thursday. In the meantime, I'm on the socials. at I Shave my ass for this TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Holler at me. I will see you next week. So until then, be kind, be safe, and be you.
0: (音) Let's go.